0: Thank you.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a a delayed post-match point for Everton against Aston Villa. It was, of course, Everton nil, Aston Villa 2. This show is sponsored by Purity Ale. If you want to get 10% off everything they have to offer, then use the code hashtag VillaView. I'm Dan Bardell, joined by Neil Dunworth. And Neil, all about the numbers, wasn't it? Unai Emre did not lose four games in a row for the first time in his managerial (laughs) career. And Ollie Watkins did score For the fifth game running to become the first player in Premier League history for Aston Villa Football Club to do that. wasn't a classic, but for the first hour, I think Villa had plenty to work on in the first hour, but they made a few subs. They seemed to change the game, instant impact from Buendia coming off the bench and Villa won relatively comfortably, saw the game out relatively comfortably. Villa fans were magnificent and turns into a very good day at the office.
0: Yeah, You mentioned that Villa fans were magnificent. I think I want to just start on that one as well. You know, watching it on TV, you could just hear nothing but Villa fans Villa fans Villa fans and there were times in the game when the Everton uh, fans got really up for it obviously because they did lay siege to our goal for last 20 or the, the second 20 minutes of the first half for sure um you know we were under the caution and halftime came at a good time for Aston Villa um but the Aston Villa fans were you know they they, they were very um vocal throughout the whole game and uh I, I love to hear that because look I suppose some people have been calling this oh you know the atmosphere hasn't been great at home games and so on, but the Villa fans, you know, when they show up like that and and they do ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, um, it's just fantastic to hear on TV, you know, and yeah. and uh, fair play to everybody and that. But with regards to the game itself, as you said, it was it to be honest with you, it was a typical Unai Emery game. You know, it's it, it was just one of, it's one of those games. Invite pressure, invite pressure, uh, get your nose in front um and, and then you know hit the team on the break when they come to try and equalize and when when Emery's plans go to plan that's what happens uh, yeah. we did it against Leeds did it against uh, against Spurs um and and we've won like that like i've seen that game four or five times already uh, that type of game from Unai Emery since he became Aston Villa manager and you know we we, we as a club kind of have bemoaned lack of identity under Steven Gerrard, and it's almost becoming our identity away from home now, and I'm here for it, and I absolutely love it, because, you know, getting those three points, even though maybe, you know, there was there's still lots to improve on, and, and with the current makeup of the squad that we have, getting three points like that is, must be really satisfying for those players. It must be really satisfying, um, and Long may it continue specifically away from home. If we can bring that to home, to Villa Park, that would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, away form, we've got it down, haven't we, really? Because we've only lost to Manchester City. We go away from home and generally when we win, we keep a clean sheet. So we see out the game relatively comfortably as well. I think that's happened a few times. I think the Southampton, the Spurs game and that game, there's a lot of similarities in in those three performances. You could probably chuck the Brighton one in there as well, albeit Villa went behind that day from a mistake and showed some resilience and and bounced back Mm. and ended up winning that game. But I do like you say, identity is the key word. Away from home, I feel it. It is there. You know, the Villa Villa fans are going to away games knowing what to expect. And at the end of the day, you've had an excellent day anyway if you've been on an away day because the Villa away fans are unbelievable. So you've had a great time before the game. You then don't really care what the performance is like when, you, when you're away from home. You, you just want to win. So in the main, the Villa away fans are, are getting that as well. I guess the problem is coming for Villa at the moment is Emery doesn't want that identity at home. At mm. home. He wants to control games. He, he wants to have like a different identity. He wants the fans and the players to, to be singing from the, set, the same. He wants to entertain the fans, basically, and get the fans up, up for it. And by and large, except for probably the, the first game against Manchester United, we haven't succeeded in doing that. But I guess at this stage, to have, you say about bemoaning an identity, to even have that identity away from home and to take it, so have taken the points that we have away from home. Since he's arrived, we must have the best away record in the Premier League, or at least in, in the top three. We must be right. They've only really lost one game, and we've won every single game away from home, except for that Manchester City one since he and I and Ray came in. So the away form is, I would say at this point in the journey, ridiculous now.
0: Mm, and unfortunately, I'm not Stato, so Come on, I was, go, go, I was good going letter. to see how I could say fast you were trying. You thought I was about going it. to type and see if I could find that information, but no, I I, I don't have it to my fingertips. Adam will moment, find it for us
1: and type it in the chat for us, we, so we can see it.
0: <laughs> but you're right, actually. I didn't even think of that. We must do because Man City had a falter, uh, faltered uh, away from home recently. Arsenal had a a, a faltering period as well recently uh, too. So I would say ourselves or maybe even Fulham. Might have one of the best because, like Fulham, just I bet don't my life. My we're games. in the
1: top three. I, I mean, oh yeah, I, yeah, I could I, die, I definitely I could die so. on air here, but I'm, I'm betting my life that Villa are in the Villa are in the top three for away records in Zunai. Uh, Emery's come into five away games now, four wins, one defeat. That's yeah, pre- that's pretty good that's going. Pretty
0: good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as much known as the content of Dan Bartel's demise live on, on, I on YouTube. I enjoy that more than the, the stuff that we do. <laughs> I don't want you to pass away live because uh, I've got a bit of a sore throat, so I don't want yeah, to I'm have the, to great. carry the rest of the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. And, and look, once again, you know, this this game at the weekend, while, you know, obviously we came out on the right side of it, there were talking points. Uh, prior to the to, to the start, with regards to this team and, and with this game, and you know everybody, there was trepidation going into this. Sean Doych being on a really good march with uh, with Everton, and and as I say, Everton could have been one 0 up going into going into half time, um, and and they weren't. And we had some really resolute defending, and you know for all that header that 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 uh, Tyrone wings did against Arsenal, whereby he just headed it back into play. He, I thought he was imperious at the weekend. I thought he was really, Stats really good. For themselves. Absolutely. Like he, I thought he did absolutely everything right. And, you know, he, he needs to get that consistency. And, and, and as he's getting older and he's getting on towards 30, that kind of consistency may start to creep into his game because he said some really interesting things lately that he wasn't the centre-half until he came to Villa. You know, he wasn't consistently playing centre-half. So, you know, the learning of the position um, and the nuance... Uh, he may be just late to the party with regards to that but he does have that Rick in him at times but he didn't have it at the weekend and it's fair to point that out too and say he was really 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 good at the weekend and it just shows how much we miss him when he's not in the team
1: yeah I mean his clearance off the line that's as good as a goal, isn't it? And he, how he didn't knock it in off his knee or anything, I, I absolutely no idea. I'd resigned myself watching that, that Villa were 1-0 down and Mings was going to get absolutely panned <laughs> on, on social media again for knocking the ball into, into his own net. I think that's one of the bigger things with Villa. It's, it's a bigger question and probably a bigger thing to look into. They'll have very few players that deliver a, set, a 7 out of 10 performance, I always mm. think. Do you think of someone like Gareth Barry, Stilion Petrov, James Milner, those kind of players at Villa? There would always be a 7 out of 10, at least. They'd very rarely, they'd very, very, very rarely dip below that. There'd probably not be too many times that they went above that, but they just had that level of consistency. At Villa, I feel now, in the modern day Villa, it's the opposite. You've got players who rarely deliver a 7 out of 10 performance. You've got players that might be an 8 one week, but could mm. very well be a 4 the next. And Mings probably, as much as I love him, he probably falls into that category, and you might be right. As he gets older, he'll be he'll become more consistent. And he hasn't played actually that many games at centre back. Esri concert would have played more games as, as a centre back in his career than Tyrone Ming. Do you know what I'm saying? That Villa have mm. a lot of players who, who who I think Kamara could probably could probably end up being a player who never falls below a, set, a seven out of ten. Maybe delivers an eight every now and again, but he's always a seven. Will be, will be consistent. I think that will come with him. He's still young as well. But if you look through that Villa eleven. I think that could be leveled at a lot of players that mm. if they're four one week, they're 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 an eight the next. I mean there's some that fall below a four, who we might talk talk, talk about talk about later.
0: But generally that's the pattern of I'd Villa say- and that,
1: and that's why Villa are a mid table
0: team. I'll segue into one of those conversations now, Dan, because as you were t- going in, as you were talking about it there, I said, "Yeah, this is that was the time to bring up Leon Bailey," because uh, you know at the weekend things like he was probably the the big talking point before the game. I mentioned about you know there was changes, um, Emmy being sat down, um, after twelve twelve starts in a row. Um, Leon Bailey started up front I can see the method, in the, the method there I absolutely it was something that I think uh, I've, I've spoken about previously that if we were going to catch a team on the break uh, le- less mobile uh, centre-halves there I know Conor Cody has been spoken of as this unbelievably mobile and nimble centre-half but it's a good centre-half sh- but he's not mobile yeah, but he, yeah, but he, and he hasn't even shown it at Everton this season. Um, maybe in a in a back three he is, but obviously you know having somebody like like Leon Bailey, we should have been able to utilise his pace. It's more and more becoming the case whereby if Leon Bailey has a bad first five minutes in a game, yes. you might as well take him off. From a confidence point of view, he seems very, very, very um fragile. Um, his first action is very
1: important in the game. Isn't There's it's been just... a few games. You think Brentford at home, Manchester United at home, maybe Leeds at home as well. You know, he yeah. scored in the first five, ten minutes of those yeah. games, and then he's and then that that gives him something, and he's confident. If his first action in the game is poor, he he seems to struggle to bounce back from that. I think you're completely right with with what you've said there. I said that actually to to, to someone last night when I was out that that's the problem with, with with Leon Baylor If he doesn't start a game well you that that is it and i i don't even, i don't think it's lack of effort no or, or anything anything like that at all although i will say he's uh his dad's been very quiet recently leon Bailey's dad hasn't he he's, he's not popped up for, for for a while but he's he's frustrating and he's he's starting to frustrate me as, as mm. well i'm a pa- i'm a patient person but he is starting to get on my nerves and a little bit now with the way he's in games because He's just he's offering very little, little substance, very little
0: style at the moment. And you, you can't afford to carry purple at, at, at this level, I don't think. I agree. And it's all the more highlighted by when Buendia comes on. He wasn't on the field more than maybe 90 seconds and he plays a ball through to jam again, who gets a penalty. And then uh, 20 minutes later, he's sticking the ball in the back of the net himself, you know. So all these kind of situations are heightened. When when something like that happens, and look, I know it's there's context in it, and there's opportunity cost of maybe Everton were were uh, run ragged at that stage. Maybe they were, they were they were flagging kind of in midfield. They had it, you know, they while while they had an awful lot of chances, we had a lot of possession, and they were they were chasing us for possession in midfield. When Dia comes on and finishes the job, and I know I've no numbers to back that up or anything. Well, I guess but you could say last week. Bailey came off the bench against Arsenal, and if that one that
1: hit the bar had gone in, we'd have probably been the same. The same thing yeah. last week about Bailey, wouldn't you? So I think there is, there is some something something in the coming off the bench. Yeah. My personal opinion, anyway. And Greg's wrote a piece on this this morning. I actually think Bunde is better for Villa coming off the bench. Yeah. He's, he's done it done it a number of times now. But I get, I completely agree with with with, with what you're saying. It, it does heighten it, but I do think it would have been quite easy for us to be having this conversation last week after Arsenal.
0: And the interesting thing is that. You'd have to wonder, was Coutinho in front of both of those anyway before he picked up the hamstring injury on Friday? You know, I was think he... he'd
1: have started if
0: he... I think he would have started in that Bailey position, and then Bundia would have been sat down anyway because I think the game plan was to go with that narrow midfield, the 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 four central midfielders it as worked. such. Like we have, the... it really did work. Yeah, absolutely, um, and and and. Jacob Ramsey played played better in this game um you know he didn't play, like he hasn't been playing poorly or anything like that it's just like last season he was so explosive at times but he had one of I I, I looked there as well he had the most progressive carry uh, distance of any player um yeah, of that any Villa surprise player me. That doesn't surprise me. um so his carrying ability we need, he needs to be able to carry the ball because it's one of his biggest strengths and it's when he stands out in games. And, and, you know, there were times in this game where he didn't have that ability to carry the ball. And, you know, the game might have passed him by slightly, but uh, he played, he played well, you know, he played really well and we look way more compact in that midfield. And I love to see that because, uh you know, he's coming back into form. Yeah. John McGinn was, was massively in form. I thought his second half, John McGinn second really half performance was brilliant. And obviously we've got the two lads there in the middle of midfield. So, when we look at that, you know Coutinho, I think was was slated start up alongside Ali Watkins. He gets injured, then he goes with goes with Buendia, or with Bailey up top, and I'm wondering, you know, I just, I just I don't know why he would have sat down Buendia, but I'm kind of glad he did, as I say, because of that impact that he had coming off the bench. And as you said, Greg has written a piece about it. I haven't seen it, I haven't re- read it yet, yeah, but uh, read it. it's going to be an interesting read for sure. Yeah, yeah, but let's talk. Might as well talk about John
1: again at that point. This is the John McGinn that we loved in the championship. He's playing in a completely different role, playing from, playing from the, the, the wide midfield role, but spending a lot of time in the middle of the park, drifting inside. I thought there were signs of it definitely last week against Arsenal. I thought he was good against Arsenal last week. He, he, was, he was good at closing down. He was good on, the, good on the press. He'd win the ball back. A couple of good ball carries from him as, as well in there. And he looked like a leader. He looked like he'd got some confidence back, John McGinn. I thought he f- was flying against Everton on Saturday involved in, in, in both goals in terms of, of winning the penalty. Second time he's won a penalty. since in turn, I, Emery's come in uh, as well. Same kind of thing, driving into the box, which is what you want to see from John McGinn. Because I think he's very good at being a box-to-box midfielder, something he was never allowed to be under the, under the previous manager. And even the manager before, he spent a lot of time probably playing as a, a six in a, in a double pivot. And then he's the guy that's laid off the ball for Buendia to score as well. So, you know, it's affected the game. In a lot of ways, John McGinn on Saturday, mm.
0: he's great to see. Great to see him back. And Emery seems to really like him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Emery didn't take the captain's armband off him. Um, you know, it's it's OK, it has rotated between himself and Emery as, uh since Emery has been in there. But John McGinn, not only has he had a new haircut that's contributing to him being a bit more... Uh, Got engaged worse- as well. And really he's engaged nice, as well, yeah. yeah there's a lot, la- la- yeah. But that's look, she's obviously making him get his hair cut now and get get a half decent haircut. Um, so not that I can talk about half decent haircuts. So My barber actually
1: used to do his hair a couple of, a couple of years ago, I think, and then Whoops. he moved, moved away from you. No, no, he hasn't done it for a couple of years, to be fair. So it doesn't matter, does it? He? He, do, he also does, he also does Yedinak's beard. So you know, that's one of the best beards, it is, in the one history of, the best of beards. Is. So absolutely, you know, he's got. That to, to go
0: off, I think exactly. But you know, yeah, John McGinn is is uh, he's hitting form at the right time. We've got what 14 games left this season, and uh, we're going to need John McGinn. We're going to need absolutely everybody in the squad. You know, um, and and people need to be on form, and people need to like when we do have a little bit of rotation that we just go, we just spoke about there. The likes of the Bailey's need to come in and need to hit the ground running, and and, and Una Emery understands that and knows that. And you know, if you if somebody's going to take two, three, four games to play themselves into form. You know, we can't afford that. Um, we, we certainly can't. And um, it's it's just it's probably the only thing from this game that I would I would gripe about slightly is that, you know, and as you said there, it's becoming frustrating uh, f- from a Leon Bailey point of view because he's clearly a talented player. But it's becoming more and more like that the league just doesn't suit him. It just mm. doesn't suit him.
1: I think it was always part, part of the plan, probably, to make subs on an hour. Look, yeah. I'll, I'll openly say that for 60 minutes, I was a little bit concerned. I thought Villa was sluggish and giving the ball away quite cheaply. In fact, Everton were doing it as well. It was a scrappy first hour, that game. It was a scrappy game in general, which mm. you'd probably expect going to Goodison Park, That the position they're in with Sean Dyche coming in. You know, they're trying to grind out victories at the moment. That's their best way to stand up. So it was probably always going to be a little bit of a scrappy game. But I really thought Villa struggled with the basics. in in the first 60 minutes. I mean, I'm talking about Kamara and Luiz who were fantastic footballers who were both excellent on the ball. I thought they were struggling with the basics for an hour as well. So it was a team thing for an hour. Mm. But it did feel like as soon as we made those subs, as soon as Bailey and Luca Dean went off and the Moreno and Buendia came on, we just looked better. And look, as I said, you can make a sub at any point and it freshens the team up and it could be anyone and and, and you look better. Bailey had an impact on the game coming off the bench last week. Against Arsenal, but I could just can't escape from at the moment that those two and I, I don't like to call, but I'm not calling them out. No, I'm just no. talking because we we're on a podcast talking about talking about Villa and talking about football. Villa are not getting enough out of Luca Dane, and they are not getting enough out of, out of Leon Bailey. Now, Luca Dane probably did some some nice things defensively, but it's just not the left back that I remember watching for Everton and for France. I'm not seeing the 25, 30 million pound left back that, that, that I thought Villa had signed when they were upgrading from Target. And with Bailey as well, you know, I, I suppose Kevin Hatchard came on, this, came on one of our shows a couple of weeks ago and he said, this is what Bailey was like in Germany. But his numbers looked really strong in Germany for, from what I saw. But I guess if you were to look on the face of it, his numbers for Villa this season probably look half decent for a team sitting 11th mm. in, in the Premier League. But just on the eye test alone, I'm watching those two. I'm severely underwhelmed for the money Villa have spent on those two. Villa can't afford to be spending that kind of money on, on on two players that are offering very little, and then people are coming off the bench and
0: being better than them. Villa can't afford for that, in my opinion. Yeah, and I thought Luke Dean was. I thought that was one of his better defensive performances in the last. Probably, probably since the, it's restarted after the World Cup, um, I, I think that was. But he was solid. I thought he was solid. Uh, on then the, again, on the ball,
1: Neil, I gave yeah. the ball away a few, and he wasn't alone. He gives the ball no. away a, a, a few times. I I te- I, was, I could notice Matty Cash on the opposite flank. He felt busy, felt industrious, felt like he was involved in the game. Yeah. I just my overarching thing with Luca Dean at the moment is, and you're right, he was that he did nothing wrong defensively. He gave the ball away a few times, but he wasn't alone with that. But in general. I'm not seeing enough defensively from him, but I'm not seeing enough going the other way at all to yeah. justify his selection. At least when I'm watching Moreno, and they're different types of fullbacks. Yeah. But I'm I'm feeling like Moreno's in the game. He's in, he's involved in the game. I believe he was involved in the lead up to the, to the second goal in the in their passing and, and and getting through and, and having that attack for the second goal. So when he's on the pitch, he might not be perfect defensively, but I'm thinking at least he's impacting it the the other way and it's very early days for him. Luca mm. Dean's been here for a year now my overriding memory of him is a free kick against Manchester United and not a lot else.
0: Yeah, he did in this game. But my only real memory of him attacking in this game was the cross he put in when Watkins uh, yeah, had his header cross. saved. Yeah, that's fair.
1: That was a good cross. Uh, me saying he's not impacting the game in the yeah. third or third. That no, but, it's, been, but it's, the only one.
0: It, it's the only one I can think of. Whereas... You know, I was probably critical of him being in that position too many times to make those crosses and being yeah. that that essential like yeah. the guy who has to be in position stand there to deliver the cross. Whereas he didn't get that many opportunities and, and maybe it could have just been because he was he was tasked with, with defending he won't be there and and maybe someone sat him down and said, Listen, stop. And defend because we pay you to defend, and everything else is a bonus. Matty Cash had to defend the, at the weekend, and I loved that battle he had with Dwight McNeil. It was like it was like yeah, a fullback winger battle from the night from the late nineties, early two thousands. It was a oh, proper it's prime Barkley, prime
1: Barkley, isn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it, it was, it was, and it was a throwback because they were going at each other. You know, Dwight McNeil was trying things, and Matty Cash was re- was reacting to them. And yes, he was whipping balls into the box, but you know. Matty Cash was keeping him in areas for a he 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 had to whip balls into the box because he couldn't do much more out there and and I I was very impressed with how Matty Cash positionally and with how he he was very disciplined in that situation because a lot of players would just have turned around and resorted to booting fellas up and down the field. And that, like, Ashley Young would have definitely crippled him at one stage, you know? So but there was no yellow card coming there from Cash. And it's something that we've bemoaned as well. And we think we did it We did it recently as well, where we spoke that at times Emery has been hopping up and down on the line with regards to Maddie Cash's defensive positioning. He got it spot on. And maybe that was the discussion. Maybe it was the discussion between, uh, between everybody was, okay, our fullbacks can no longer be that outlet for the overlap. Or maybe they're just not going to be that away from home. We're going to play that narrow mm. midfield, and Ollie, best of luck to you. But you're going to have to do something special up top to get that goal. And and uh, while he, I thought he played well. Uh, his whole play was pretty decent. His header against the crossbar, or that was saved by Pickford. Good um, save, you can't legislate that, it's brilliant just save. unbelievable save Brilliant save, but he stood up and he took a penalty And we know he's missed him in the past And he went straight down the middle high And fair play to him, he's after getting that record of 5-5 five and, five and And who's to say he won't make it 6-6 six six against Crystal uh, Palace He
1: said he said since he wants to score in every game now, going into the season yeah. he's, got, he's 100% got some confidence back oh, yeah. I think he's, he, I, I still maintain, I say this every week I think his all-round game this, this season has been good Yes, there's the odd bad touch here and there, but he wouldn't be alone in that. I just think he's having a good season. This was before his five-game run. I felt like he was having a good season. I guess the disappointing thing for him in recent weeks has been he's been getting the goals, but Villa haven't been getting any points. So his goals haven't haven't meant anything as much as he'll enjoy putting the board in the back of that. Villa haven't been doing the job down the other end. His goal for his for his, to make it five in a row has has, has meant something, and it was it was a, a real calm penalty. That's a that's a good penalty that he's just, just putting it down the middle. If in doubt, just smash the ball down the middle and and hope for the best. And and that's what he did. And I'm I'm delighted for him because he t- he copped a lot of flack when Ings went, yeah. which I didn't particularly ag- agree with. You know, I don't fully agree with the standard But Watkins is, has been Villa's most impactful striker since Danny Ings has arrived at the club for me still. And he's played more games, but Watkins suits the, pre- the Premier League, the modern-day Premier League, especially when you're playing away from home. Watkins suits more of the lone striker role than than Danny Ings does. And I know he played with, t- with two up front now, but let's think even if Ings was here, I don't think we'd have seen Ings and Watkins playing alongside each other very much because Emory wants his strikers to, to drift wide. Watkins is having an unbelievable impact at the moment. And you, you can see he's got some belief back, he's got some confidence back, and he's really enjoyed, enjoying his football and... Crystal Palace at home next week is a great chance to cement that record Mm. and and make it six in a row. And then we start looking at the Premier League record now because Jamie Vardy was it eleven games in a row or something like that? Yeah, imagine can you imagine? That's something to aim for for the end of the season because if he if he does do what he says and scores every every week, he'll he'll smash that record. But that that would be nice. Maybe start. I mean, I've cursed him now; he won't score next
0: week. (laughs) But let's
1: let's let's go for the Premier League record, Ollie Watkins. Let's let's say about that.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. It'd be nice to have that as well, you know, uh, under his belt. And look, if he scores every week, I know we've just been saying there that he has been scoring previously and and will have him getting the results, but that can only last for so long. Um, You know, in games like Crystal Palace, you're going to need to score. Like, if you can score a goal and be, be resoluted back, You've every chance of winning that game. You've every chance of winning the game against Leeds if you can score one goal. You've every chance of winning the game against Chelsea at the moment if you can score one goal. You know, and they're the games that are coming up. Bournemouth, they're all the games that are coming up at the moment. I'm not drinking the Kool Aid and I'm not getting overly positive with regards to it. But it's it's something I've said under Unai Emery, and I said it prior to the losing streak that we had. The three in a row losing streak was if every game feel like go into. You kind of think that there's a possibility we could win at one nil or two one under Emery. We
1: haven't not scored
0: yet under Emery again. Yeah. I'm c- killing us ahead of the weekend, uh, you know. We've scored every week under, under Emery yeah. so far, and we need to break this this uh this duck against Crystal Palace as well. They've been a real bogey team for us, a real bogey team for us recently. So we need to break that duck. Am I right in saying this is the this is the part. Uh, this... We beat them. We beat them a Boxing Day, didn't
1: we, a few years ago at Villa Park when there was when there mm. were no fans there. I remember that
0: away from home. I think we've got a
1: horrible record, don't we? We we lost this season. We won last season in one of Gerard's first games at, at Selhurst. But last, I just I can remember last season's home game vividly. It was just a poor game. You were watching, thinking, mm. "What are Villa? What are Villa doing there? They went one up and just conceded. I like goals to Jeff Jeffrey Schlupp. It's a, it's a different Schlu- Villa now. They've got, you know, this is a good game now to, to build, and they've got to win again. There'll be some confidence seeping through the side again. When you lose three in a row, rightly or wrongly, you 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 will have a bit of self doubt. You will you will lose a, a bit of confidence, and then you win a game. Bang, the yeah. confidence is straight back up again. So Villa go to that game. Palace aren't in the best of form. They're having a bit of a funny season. Crystal Palace. I know their fans are a little bit worried about being sucked into a relegation battle. But you know, you've won at Everton now, which you know, no one have beaten Sean Dosh. I know there's only been two games at Goodison, but no one have beat Sean Dosh. Everton, Goodison, Villa, Villa, went there. And and they did it. And there's every reason that they can carry on now and have a little winning streak, which is which is what we all we all want to see. Villa's record generally still under Emory despite spot those three, three games in a row. Strong, especially the mm. UI record, as we discussed at the top of the show. So, yeah, we're feeling in a good place again. But your weekend's always so much
0: better when Villa record. 100%. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, you feel so differently
1: about everything
0: when Villa win. And you feel so different for the rest of the week, going into the yeah. next game. You're like, yeah, I think we can win this. now. and as I say, that's the that's the opium, you know. That, uh, that we're all hooked up to as Aston Villa fans, and uh, but it is like, like it's 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 okay to say that that. Listen, all the teams that we play um, are either level on points with us, in Chelsea's uh, from Chelsea's point of view or below us in the league in the next four games, and you know if Aston Villa are to. You know, puff out their chest and and do what we all said we wanted to do at the uh at the start of the season. Well, I definitely said it was Villa can start to take points and start to beat the teams that they are beneath them in the league, as in from a standings point of view, or beat the teams around them, take points off the teams around them, and then anything you get from the cities, Uniteds, whoever else is gravy. Then on top, that would be progress for Aston Villa because it's something we we haven't done in quite a while. And this is going to prove it because all these teams are in and around us, or they're below us in the league at the moment. So we've got a good stretch of that uh, to look forward to, and that's really kind of a marking post, I think, for Aston Villa to see how Uno Emery is uh, is progressing with this team. Because, like it, as I said, it's it's a mini battle, it's a mini league we have at the bo- we have here. Like as I said, we're not going to go down. We're four points ahead of Crystal Palace. We win. At the weekend, we're seven points ahead of Crystal Palace and we will like, Chelsea aren't going to win, Chelsea, Chelsea may never win again, so we likely jump, jump Chelsea and are one point behind Brentford. You know, so it's 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 a mini league we're in at the moment, um, and we seem to be on the top on top of it with Chelsea, and it's a case of uh, who's actually going to break that ceiling and, and 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 try and really traverse up the league because since Una Emery comes in, we just seem to have been stuck in 11th place.
1: Yeah, we've, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy with that because I felt like yeah. we were only travelling in one direction yeah. before he came, and I was expecting bump three, in in all honesty if Steven Gerrard had, had, had continued. So. Nothing wrong with 11th. I'm, I'm relatively happy with that. But I do yeah. think top half is there to be had. And that yeah. in itself is, is progress because Villa haven't finished in the top half since 2010, 2011, if my maths is correct in my head, when they finished ninth on around 42, 43 points. I don't know why I remember that. I think it's because Blues went down. I, don't, I remember the end of that, that season.
0: Is that Gerard Houllier? But,
1: yeah, Julio. Well, it was Gary McAllister at the time, but Gary yeah, they beat, they beat a bit of Liverpool, a bit of Park on the last day, and somehow jumped to ninth. And I remember thinking, how on earth have we finished ninth this season? <laughs> it looked like we were going down for a, for, for a long period of it. So, yeah, there's every chance we can get top half, and that in itself would be would be progress for the football club, because they've not done it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Neil, thank you ever so much for chatting with me today. Enjoyed that, as I always do, talking to you. few bits of admin. 1874 will be out tonight, probably around 10 p.m. I would think myself and global Greg Evans from the Athletic talking through all the recent articles he's done on the Athletic and what's going on at Aston Villa in the fo- Aston Villa in the Football Club. Aston Villa in the world of Aston Villa as well. Greg, of course, was in the press box on Saturday. So we'll talk to him. Then a special show tomorrow night, which is Tuesday, again, live at 10 pm. We've got Neil Cutler coming on. So we're going to be chatting to him, I presume, about Emmy Martinez. We're going to be going through all the goalkeepers that Neil worked with. With his time at Aston Villa and go through how how it worked, how he felt with them, how all keepers are different, and then we'll we'll take some questions as well if if people are live because I know what? C- Cuts himself is looking to get it, he's getting into YouTube, he's, he's launching a channel soon, so he'll be looking Excellent. to hear from people and answer some questions. So that'd be good to have big cuts on tomorrow night, and then we'll be back with all the usual pretty much preview, stato preview towards the end of the week. Neil, thank you ever so much again. Adam, thank, thank you. you very much for your flawless producing. Haven't seen if anyone's been watching live, but if you have, appreciate it. I know it's a bit of a funny time. Thank you very much. And if you're catching up and watching as well, we thank you. As I say, 10 p.m. tonight, 1874, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.